0: What's up everybody, my name is Shane Kohler and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here where each week I'm sharing true to life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Shane Kohler here. Pleasure to be with you today, as always, um, very excited, looking forward to jumping in with today's topic. And what we're going to be speaking about in today's show is how to stop obsessing in early dating. And this has been a pattern that I I mean, I've seen for years with, you know, everybody. (laughs) I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in other people. I've seen it in clients that I coach. Um, it, it's, it's kind of universal, you know, it's a very human thing that we tend to do, but despite the universality of it and how common it is and how easy it is to fall into, it is one of the most destructive things we can do when we're getting to know someone new. Um, you know, when, when we start obsessing about someone in early dating, there's a tendency to fall into our own feelings of unworthiness, our own feelings of doubt. Am I enough? Are they going to want me? There is a tendency to put this person up on a pedestal and give them respect and admiration and attention that they don't necessarily deserve, that they haven't earned. Right. So, so there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of destructive stuff that starts to happen in a new relationship when we start obsessing about someone very early on. And I want to say like, not only is it, is it destructive, but it actually causes often in most cases will actually cause that person to lose attraction for you. Right, so you're you're trying to build attraction with this person, you know, for whatever reason they've shown up. Like you're really attracted to them, you really like them, you really want this to go somewhere, and when you start obsessing about that what what happens is you actually will often cause that person to lose attraction for you. You will actually push that person away by becoming overly obsessed with them. So there's just there's a lot of reasons why this isn't good. There's a lot of reasons why we really don't want to do this. And yet it is it is so, so easy to just fall right into this. And like I said, you know, I know I've done this. Um, I'm sure, you know, if you're honest, you've done this because it's very human and it's a very easy thing to do and look it's like it's understandable right because we all like we want love we we don't nobody wants to be alone we want to find our person we want to get on with it already you know we want to live the dream we want to build the life we want to get on with it already you know i i mean unless you're just kind of playing the field i i think for the most part people don't really like dating like dating is, it's hard and it's exhausting and it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and you got to sort through a lot of people that you probably rather not even see, right? So, you know, it's, it's very easy when you meet someone that you like to just start going to, I found it, let's get on with it. I found my person, I want to just move forward. And the message that I'm going to share with everyone today and what I'm going to encourage everyone to do is as tempting as it might be, as much as you want to just dive in and be like, "Let's get on with it already," um, you really don't want to do that. You really don't want to do that. You really like it is so important. I would say, especially in the first three months, you know, and um, in the Inspired Love Program, we we have a module where we go over the um, the natural timeline of a conscious relationship. And the, the very first stage of that timeline that I talk about is the first three months. Like from, from the time you kind of start talking to someone to your first few dates until until you get into the place where you've established that we actually have something here that we want to build, right? And I say that, you know, it usually takes about three months to do that with someone. Now, let me be clear. If all you did was text each other for the first three months, then it's probably going to take six months for you to get there. Right so I'm talking about 3 months of regularly dating someone like going on dates with them 3 months of talking to them in between dates right so having phone conversations texting throughout the day that kind of stuff like you know if you've if you've been on that level of relationship with someone for about 3 months like that's enough time to really start to say okay is this going somewhere you know are, are like do we have enough of a foundation that we can build on something do we have enough of an interest in each other that we want to take this to the next level right but but even getting to that place requires like i said about 3 months of of consistently dating someone of getting to know them and so many of us you know we want to we want to tie it down in 3 weeks right like we just want to we just want to get on with it already and so Especially in this period, what I call the discovery phase, which is the first three months. Um, especially in this discovery phase period, it is so important to keep your feet on the ground, to not make any assumptions about what this relationship is or where it's going, to not, to not, um, start, uh, you know, pushing it forward. Like, like, you know, there, there really needs to be a period of time. Where you have the freedom to get to know that person without any assumption that it's supposed to go somewhere. There needs to be that period of time where they have the freedom to get to know you without any assumption that it's supposed to go somewhere. And if you give each other that freedom and, and, you know, it goes on for three months and both of you are still coming back for more. Right. So there's been total freedom. Like you can stay. You can go. No non attachment. I like, you know, it's okay. Whatever you want, I'm okay with it. Right. I'm willing to give you the space to explore this and decide what you want. And I'm going to do the same thing. And if after three months, both of you are still coming back for more, you've reached a point where it's like, okay, if we're going to keep doing this, let's talk about what we're doing right? Like, like, let's talk about where we want this to go. And I'm I'm not saying that you can't have any conversations before that, but, but really, you know, pushing it forward you, before you start pushing it forward, you need to give each other the space to just feel out this relationship and, and really figure out how you feel about it. Let them figure out how they feel about it. And so what I really want to talk about in today's episode is how to avoid getting ahead of yourself in this first 3 month period right how to really let the discovery phase be what it's meant to be which is this period of time where this period of time where you have the freedom to get to know each other and figure out how you feel and you know, this came up, I have a mastermind group, which um, I love this group. It's it's me and and five ladies and we meet up uh, every other week and we just, you know, it's, it's some of the most real, raw conversation that, uh, you know, any of us have ever had, right? We just, we really dive in and we talk about everything. And this particular issue has been something that's been coming up in the mastermind group lately where... You know, it's like you meet someone and you like them and you get excited about them and you start trying to make something happen with them. And before you know it, that person starts distancing themselves. And why do they start distancing themselves? Because they're, because it's too much for them too soon. And what starts to happen is, you know, one, this person is a little bit confused because you're like, you don't really know them. And they know that you don't really know them. And so you're trying to move a relationship forward with them. And they're like, first of all, I don't really know you. Like, I don't know if I want to move this relationship forward like that. And and they're also like, you don't really know me. So how do you know you want to move the relationship forward like that? And I think this is really, it gets so quickly overlooked. Because we like someone and we're excited about them. And we just want to get on with it. But from a from like an aware perspective you know if, if you're really conscious about what's happening you've got to check in and go like wait what am i so excited about i barely know this person right before I start planning our future together before I start naming our kids like I, I should probably actually get a clear idea of who this person is and this person is on the other side going like why are they so into me I haven't done anything to really earn them being this into me right like I haven't I haven't shown up for them in a way that proves to them that I am worthy of all this attention and all this dedication and all this desire. So why are they so into it? Like it, it's, it's really confusing for that person. And, and what that person is going to start to feel is they're going to start to feel pressure. They're going to start to feel like you want something from me that I don't know that I can give you right? Like you want this big relationship. You want to start building a life. You want to have all our dreams. Like you want, you want all of this, but I don't know if I can give that to you because I don't really know you and you want to move it forward before I have the chance to get to know you. And so what that person is naturally going to start to do is they're going to start to distance themselves. They're going to start to create some space. And, and ultimately this is the point where the relationship usually starts to die. So how do we avoid this? Because again, this is something I've done. This is something I'm sure you've done. This is one of the most human things that we all do, right? Is is we want love. And when we feel like we have the opportunity for it, we just want to grab onto it and keep it and, and not let it get anywhere. And so what do we do? It's really easy to keep your feet on the ground and to keep a clear perspective about all of this like it's it's very easy to do that when you feel like you have a lot of options right and so for those of you who maybe have several different people that you're attracted to right now that are also maybe showing interest in you and you you feel like there's lots of possibility you're not feeling that scarcity of that, like, need. Like, am I ever going to find anything? And, like, I need to get a hold of it and, and hold on to it, right? Like, if you're not feeling that scarcity, then it's going to be very easy for you to keep your feet on the ground, keep yourself calm and collected, because intuitively you kind of feel like, well, if this person doesn't work out, there's another option, right? But that's not the boat that most of us are in, right? Most of us are in the boat of, it's really hard to meet someone that I like. Most of us are in the boat of, you know, the people that I like don't like me, the people that like me, I'm, I'm not into them, right? Like most of us are living in some kind of scarcity model around all of this, where there's a feeling that it's tough to find. There's a feeling that there's not enough. There's a feeling that I'm gonna miss out or I'm gonna be left behind or, or I'm gonna be ghosted. Like there's, there's a fear that it's never gonna happen. And so because of scarcity, because of this kind of fear based model of just there's not enough. And it's really hard to find a good connection. It's really hard to meet someone I like. It's really hard to find someone that also likes me back. Right. Like because we live in this scarcity model around all of it, it, it feels very impossible and it feels very, I mean, it feels very scarce right? It feels very hopeless. And so when that, when that ray of hope comes in, where you go on a date with someone and you actually feel like there's a good connection, and you actually feel like that connection is reciprocated, there's, there's a tendency, as I've said, to try to lock it down, right? So for all of us out there who don't have 20 options, 20 good options available to us right now, Right to, to all to all of the normal people out there that are struggling to even find one good option. How do you how do you keep your feet on the ground when you find someone who seems like a good option? And this is this is something that I've I've spoken about for years. And it's it is, I think, probably the most important thing for a single person. And and I'd say it's it's even important for people in relationships, like people in long-term committed relationships, it's important for them too. But I would say, especially as a single person, this is probably the most important thing that you should focus on even before getting into a relationship, even before trying to meet someone, even before getting on another dating app. Like this is the most important thing to focus on is you have to have a life that you love. Because when you start to see yourself obsessing about someone, when you start to see yourself giving someone attention or letting them rent space in your mind that they haven't earned through their commitment and their dedication to you and to the relationship, right? Like when you start seeing yourself giving someone something they haven't earned, that is, that is your cue, right? Like that's like a red flag for you, like not a red flag from someone else, a red flag from yourself, where it's like, okay, I need to catch myself right now and I need to have something that I can throw myself into that will get me excited, that will inspire me, that will bring me joy, that will bring me positive, like life-affirming connection with other human beings because I need somewhere to go to get out of the obsession. And if you don't, have that, if you don't have things in your life that you can turn to for that, what you're going to end up with is sitting on your couch, binge watching Netflix, ruminating about this person, wondering what they're doing, where they are, why they haven't responded, who they're talking to, if they're interested, if they're not interested, are they thinking about you? Are they not thinking about you? Like you're going to You're going to spend all your time in your head obsessing about all this stuff, and you're going to be stuck. And little by little, that kind of frantic, anxious, obsessive energy is going to more and more seep into your reactions with the other person, and it's going to push them away. So point number one, and I'm going to talk specifically about three tools today that will support you in, in these early stages of dating. And the first tool that I'm sharing with you is to have a life that you love. It's to have hobbies, interests, communities, activities, friendships, anything and everything that is positive, that is uplifting, that is mentally and emotionally supportive for you. Right. You want to have lots of these outlets in your life so that when you start to feel that obsession, you have a go-to. You have a go-to. You can call up some friends and be like, hey, I've been obsessing about this guy for the last like 15 minutes. Like I need to get out of the house and do something. You know, you can like you want to go to the beach, you want to go for a run, you want to go for a bike ride. Like you, you need to have those people in your life that you can call for that. You need to have places you can go, like whether whether you do art, right? Like maybe you get lost in your art and you could just pull up a canvas and just put some music on and just get lost. And and a few hours can go by and you'll realize, wow, I haven't even thought of that person in, in like three hours because I've just been immersed in my art. Right, or you call up a friend and you get together and you go on a hike and you know you you spend half the day out in nature and you're like you know I haven't even thought about them all day. I've been hanging out with my friend, having conversation, connecting with nature, right? Like whatever it is, and there there are so many things, right? Like the world is just full of so many things to enjoy and so many things to love. Like there's there's not one way to do this, but it is. It is vitally important to fill your things, or, or excuse me, to fill your life with things that you love and things you enjoy. And to have those things like readily available so you can turn to them in the moments that you need them. Now, I, I wanna, I wanna add something else to this because a lot of us have those things. Right? A lot of us have hobbies, we have friendships, we have, you know, we have these things. But we don't utilize them. And and the reason is, is that we have, how do I want to put this? It's like we've positioned ourselves mentally to where those things are so much less than the relationship with this person, right? And so what might happen is you might have lots of things. I would say this is probably even the bigger issue. Because most of us have things that bring us joy. We have things that we're interested in. We have things that we love, that we get, you know, that feed our souls, that we get a lot out of. We have those things in our life, but we don't utilize them because we don't allow ourselves to really extract as much joy from those things as we could. And so there's a, what happens for a lot of people is we develop a kind of addictive relationship with dating, uh, if you're a woman with men, or if you're a man with woman, or unless of course you're gay or, you know, somewhere in, in that realm. But, but there's, there's this tendency to place the idea of dating or romance or love or being in a relationship with someone to put it up on this high, high pedestal so that everything else in our lives like fails in comparison to it. And that is a really dangerous place to be and so for anyone who might be feeling that right now, and by the way if you're if you're feeling that, if you're with me on this, I just want you to tap that hard a few times I want to know who's I want to know who's with me on this if this is resonating for you. but this is a very dangerous place to be because when you have it like dating and romance and all of that is up on this really high pedestal and nothing else can touch it or come close to it. When you have it like that, what ends up happening is you end up basically robbing the joy from every area of your life. And this is something that I've often referred to as punishing yourself for being single. And I know like nobody, I I talk about this sometimes. And of course, everybody initially goes, well, of course, I don't punish myself for being single. That would be ridiculous, right? But then if you look at what we do subconsciously, you will see that so many of us punish ourselves for being single. And what I mean by that is that when you have, again, dating, relationship, and romance up on this really, really high pedestal, that nothing else even comes close to it. And then what ends up happening is like the only thing that can bring you any joy or excitement in your life is connection with someone that you have a romantic interest in and everything else pales in comparison to that. Like what I, what I want to say is that you've created that and most, most of us who are doing this, we don't think that we've created that. We think that that is a truth about our lives, right? We we think that dating or having romantic interest or romantic connection with someone is like it's a fact, like it's a truth that it is so much better and so much bigger than any other area of our lives, and it's it's not a fact and it's not a truth, right? It, it's you know a, a good a good way to contrast this would be. There are people who are so suffocated by the relationship that they're in, that all they want is just to be able to go out with their friends and not have to worry about a relationship, <laughs> right? Like just, just to offer that example for contrast. So it, it's not a fact and it's not it's not a truth that a romantic connection is so much better than anything else you might be doing in life. That's a perception that we develop based on the idea of scarcity, right? When we've we've mentally framed it to where there is an absence of something that we want in our lives, it causes us to desperately cling to that thing more and more and more and more and more. So if you're doing this, if you have it to where Nothing else in your life brings you as much joy as a romantic connection with someone else. This is what I would challenge you to do. Stop dating and start engaging with things you love. Now that's like, that's a really tough pill for some people to swallow, right? They're like, what, you tell me to quit dating? I'm never gonna meet anyone if I quit dating. And then and I have a timeline. And if, if I if I quit dating, I'm gonna miss my timeline. And then uh, and you see, even when I say that to quit dating, you see how quickly all of your scarcity comes right to the surface. You know, I, I remember like I've told people many times, like, quit the dating apps, just delete them all. Start going out, doing things you love, try to meet people in person. And be patient. If you don't meet anyone today, it's okay. Trust that you will meet someone, right? And and work on developing yourself and work on developing your life rather than constantly trying to meet another person. And I think specifically, because it wasn't really like this before dating apps. I don't think it was. I think this is something that has emerged since dating apps have become mainstream where we've gotten so... We've made it so like, what do I want to say here? It's like, we've made it so easy to, to meet people. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying you meet quality people. I'm not saying you meet people with real potential. I'm not saying you meet people that actually give you what you want. And if you've been on dating apps for any amount of time, you probably know they're not bringing you the kinds of people you actually want to meet. But because dating apps have made it so easy to meet someone, And that any time of day, anywhere in the world, you can pull out your phone and immediately meet like 300 people in your area, like it's it's created an addiction to the idea that we are always supposed to have something happening in our lives in a in a romantic way, and if there's nothing happening, that's something very bad. And I think before dating apps, because because it you know it, it just like it was harder to meet people what would happen was people naturally had more of a patience around it. People naturally had more of an ability to let the relationship breathe, right? Like, or, or to let themselves breathe even, right? And to, and to let this area of their life breathe and to, and to trust that something would show up at the right time. So, you know, like you could think about it like this, and when I, when I say stop dating, I, I, I really mean mostly, like, get off of the dating apps. Because you know if you think about it, before there were dating apps, people met people all the time, right? I, I mean, people like, it wasn't like nobody ever got married before there were dating apps. Yeah, we, we could say people probably got married more often before there were dating apps. Because there was a less abundance of people But the ways that you would meet people were ways that were probably more natural for you, more authentic for you, more, you know, like things that felt easier and and flowed better and allowed you to meet the kinds of people you actually wanted to meet more organically. Right? So, so it's not like, it's not like dating apps changed the game for the better. It's just that they've created a kind of addiction. And, and so, my point here and what I'm getting at is that if you, if you have it to where the things like your hobbies and your interests and your passions are not bringing you a lot of joy in your life, get off of the dating apps. Stop looking at like trying to meet someone right now and go out and find a way to have joy in your life. Go out and find a way to really do things you love and soak the joy out of it. Get get your love tank filled, not by romance or dating, but by other areas of your life. And in doing that, what's gonna start to happen is you're going you're to create a different energy around yourself. You're going to create a, a different kind of satisfaction around yourself. You're going to create a different kind of confidence around yourself because what you will start to experience is you will start to experience the ability to feel fulfilled in your life without having someone in it, someone who's giving you that immediate validation, that immediate feedback right? You'll have the ability to be fulfilled by doing things that you love by, again, following your joy, following your passion. So that's the first thing. And my challenge would be to get off of the dating apps, go do that, go throw yourself into it, keep doing it until you start to feel differently about it, right? Keep doing it until you get like super connected to it and, and you feel it fully. And then if you do choose to get back on dating apps after that, you'll have a very different relationship with them because you will have other things that take up so much more space in your life and the dating apps won't feel like they're that big of a deal anymore. The, oh, there was something else I wanted to say there. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that it's highly likely that you may not even ever get back on the dating apps because it is highly highly likely that you will meet someone just by doing the things that you love. You know, I recently um I was I was sharing about the mastermind group earlier. I recently had um one of the ladies in the mastermind group was sharing that um you know, she was going to she was going to actually try this challenge, right? That I that I'm talking about here. And she said that you know her her goal was rather than rather than trying to go out and meet someone and get involved with them she was going to just try to go out and do things she loved and make friends so make friends with women make friends with men like you know no attachment to what it looks like or how it shows up but i'm just going to go out there i'm going to do things i love and i'm going to try to make as many friends as i can and so as she's been practicing this what she started to report back is that like, it's it's actually really amazing. Like I'm going out, I'm meeting lots of people doing things that I enjoy. I'm meeting people that I actually want to connect with. I'm meeting people that I actually vibe with and resonate with. I'm meeting men and women, and I'm getting along with all of them. And what she shared specifically about her interactions with men is that the way that she's relating with men is that she feels very natural with them. She feels very comfortable with them. She feels very confident with them. And as a result of that, they are actually showing her more attention than she's used to getting from men. But the interesting thing is, because she's framing this as, I'm only interested in friendships, I'm only looking for friendships, I'm not trying to make something romantic happen with anyone, she's showing up completely different as a result of that, and she's getting a completely different kind of attention. Now, what What I've coached her on with this, and I'm sharing this because I want everyone to get, you know, I'm not saying that you cut it off at friendship, right? That you draw a line and like, I'm only interested in friendship. But if you, if you create that mentality ahead of time and you go into it with that mindset that you're only interested in friendship, well, what might happen is you might meet someone that you're like, oh, well, you know, cool. We're being friends. We're connected. We're, you know, connecting in a real and natural and authentic way. And then what might start to happen is that person might develop an interest in you. That person might want to ask you out. That person might want to deepen the relationship. They might want to get to know you better. But because you've only been framing framing it as a friendship, you're not really getting wrapped up in it in that way. And so now when they start showing you that kind of romantic interest, you can take a step back and go, how open to this am I? right? Let me just, do I want to open that door with this person? Do I, do I want to allow that? Do I want to let them take me out? Do I want to, do I want to go on a date with this person? Do I want to open that romantic door with them? Right. But you're, I would say you're in a greater position of power from that place because you haven't gone out trying to make something happen with them. You've let an organic connection take place and then once that organic connection is already established, you are then consciously reflecting and choosing for yourself, do I want to open myself up to this connection? And doing it with that level of consciousness is so much more powerful. I, I have an imagery about, around this right now where it's like, imagine, imagine it like this. Imagine that everyone you meet kind of has like a magnet on them. And from the moment, you know, depending on how attracted you are to them, the, the, mag- the magnet is stronger, right? So depending on how attracted you are to them, the magnet is stronger. So when you meet someone that you're really attracted to, it's like they just start sucking your energy out of you. Right. And when you don't when you don't have control of your energy, when you're not like empowered within your own energy, it's like you meet someone you're attracted to and they just start sucking the energy out of you. Right. That magnetic pull is just so strong. And so if you go through your life and you meet this person and you meet that person and, and they're just constantly sucking all your energy out of you, well, you're you're completely disempowered because you've let all your energy go away. And now you're basically, you're kind of at their mercy, like desperately hoping that the feelings are reciprocated so you could get some of that energy back. Those of you who have been in this position, you know that the energy usually doesn't come back to you, right? So what I'm suggesting here is like, imagine you build an energetic barrier around yourself. I know I'm getting a little metaphysical here, but this is real. Like this is how it works and this is how it feels. Imagine you build an energetic barrier where it's like where it's like nobody's going to be able to suck my energy out of me. Right? I'm keeping my energy within me. Yeah, I might I might look at people and I might go, "Oh, they're attractive. Oh, they're good-looking. Oh, they're interesting. Oh, they're funny." Like I might look at them and I might have, you know, just in a very normal way, recognize they're attractive or, you know, I think they're more attractive. I think they're less attractive. Right. But, but my assessment of them being attractive or not doesn't allow them to suck my energy out of me. I still keep my energy within myself. And basically what I'm saying is nobody gets any of my energy other than just a friendship energy or just a, you know, kind of casual connecting energy, right? Nobody gets any more of my energy than that until I consciously make a decision to allow them to. Now, I know this is, again, a little bit metaphysical, but this is very real what I'm talking about right now. This is very, very real. And yes, I'm dealing with things that aren't so solid. You can't touch and taste them and hold them, right? But it doesn't mean these things aren't real. And By by going back to what I said earlier, by falling in love with your passions and falling in love with the things in your life that bring you joy, falling in love with your friendships, falling in love with your hobbies and your interests, right? But rather than falling in love with every person you meet, you fall in love with yourself and the life that you're living. That is going to keep your energy inside of your being. And when you develop that strong relationship with your own energy, where you have it under control, where your energy is within your own power, then you consciously choose who you want to let it go out to. That's the first thing. Now, the next thing I wanna speak about, this is point number two, is to be connected to your vision for a relationship. And this one is major, major. Because <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respectfully call all of you out right now, because I know you've done this, and I've done it too. Okay? Letting someone, if we go back to the magnet analogy, right? Letting someone suck all your energy out of you letting yourself become obsessed with someone where if you took five minutes to take a step back and realistically take a look at them, you would know that they did not have the potential to offer you what you were really looking for. But do you take that five minutes to step back and look? No, you don't. And again, I'm I'm talking to myself too. I've done this myself, okay? You know, I remember, um, I think probably the most glaring example was when i had somehow worked it out in my mind that this married woman was going to be my soulmate i mean it doesn't get more unavailable than married <laughs> okay like like it doesn't get more unavailable than that if i had if i had taken 5 minutes to really write down my vision for a relationship on paper and measure it up against this person I would have seen instantly that I was barking up the wrong tree. But I didn't want to do that. And why didn't I want to do that? Well, because, like, if if I'm honest about why I didn't want to do that, here's why. Is because despite the fact that she was married, she was a pretty cool human being. And it was rare for a person that I deemed to be of that quality or that caliber to show an interest in me, right? Like this was someone who was successful, spiritual, aware. I mean, you know, granted, looking back on it, I'm like, she's not as spiritual as I thought she was. If, if she had been that spiritual, she would not have been cheating on her husband. But this was from my perspective at the time. Okay. <laughs> so I, I get it. I have a different perspective now. But at the time, I'm looking at her, I'm like, she's successful, she's spiritual, she's conscious, she's intelligent. For some reason, she wants me. Women of this caliber don't usually want me. I better hold on to this and not let it get away, okay? That was as far as my mental process went with that. Now, this also goes back to a huge worthiness issue, right, which which gets into point number three, and, and I'll get there in a little bit, but... You know, if you just look at that, right, like even that mentality, because I know I know some of you, if not all of you, have justified barking up the complete wrong tree and you have justified it by saying that, oh, my God, this person is amazing. I don't often meet people like this. And so I know it's the wrong tree. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't want to let this person go because it's rare for someone like this to be interested in me. And if you want to own that right now, if you want to be honest about that, and I'm with you, I've done it, right? Go ahead, just tap that hard a few times. Who's I want to see who's willing to be honest about that. I want to see how many of you are willing to really own your stuff here, right? Because I know you've done this. I'm not the only one. But this is what we do, right? And we justify it. We, we justify it because, oh, this person is so amazing. And, and, oh, I, you know, it's not often that I get the opportunity to be with someone like this. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to hold on to them, even though I know they're wrong for me, even though I know they're bad for me. And I see several of you tapping that heart. So thank you for your honesty. I think it's amazing. It's amazing when we're willing to own our stuff, right? That actually gives us power. When we, when we try to hide our stuff, like, oh, no, I don't do that. You know, that, that's like, that doesn't, That doesn't give us power. That diminishes our power, right? But really owning it, that actually gives us power. So I just want to acknowledge those of you who have the courage to really own that. That's amazing. But, so going back to to the point is that when you're connected to your vision, and I think, by the way, each of these three points I'm going to speak on, they kind of build on themselves, right? Because, you know, by by creating a life that you love and bringing your energy back into yourself you actually you give yourself enough space to get connected to your vision right like if you have if you have other things in your life that fulfill you besides constantly chasing love that gives you enough breathing room to actually get connected to your vision if you don't have those other things, you're going to be so obsessed with chasing down love that you'll never have enough breathing room to actually get connected to your vision, right? So each of these points are going to kind of build on themselves. So having that breathing room, being being you know in control enough of your own energy to take that step back And to say that, you know, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna let myself go out to this person and hope for the best, right? I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna keep my feet on the ground. I'm gonna see what this person brings to the table. And I'm gonna consciously make my choices going into this relationship, right? And in that space, when you have that breathing room, where you can consciously connect to those choices every step of the way. That's where you have the opportunity to connect to your vision, right? So what do I mean by connecting to your vision? Well, let's think about it like this. If we could say 10 years from now, you'll be in a long-term committed relationship with the love of your life and you'll be living your dreams together. What do those dreams look like? Are you living out of a van, traveling the world? Are you living in a home? Are you? Um, are, do you have children? Do you not have children? Right? Are you in a polyamorous relationship? Are you in a monogamous committed relationship? Right? Like, just really, like, think about all these kinds of questions, because lots of people can be attractive when you barely know them. Lots of people can be all kinds of attractive when you barely know them. But as you get to know somebody, and and this is why going back to where I started, where it really takes about three months before you can even make a decision about if you really want to pursue a relationship with this person right? Most of us are trying to do it after three days, right? But you got to give it some time to actually get a feeling for who the person is and say, is this someone I actually want to pursue a relationship with, right? So that breathing room that I'm talking about is kind of like that three-month period. And in that, let's say that three-month period could be maybe sometimes more like four or five months. Sometimes it could be two months, but it, it takes a little bit of time. And in that period, If you know what your vision for the future and your love life looks like, if you know the kind of relationship you want to have, if you know what your ultimate relationship goals are and and you, you see how that all connects to your life, right? Um, I talked about some of the external stuff, like living in a home, having kids, that kind of stuff. But, but how about internal stuff, right? Like how do I want to feel with this person? How do I want them to show up for me? What do I want to be able to count on from this person? How do I want them to communicate with me? How do I want us to work through misunderstandings, or challenges, or difficulties together? All of this is part of the vision. And so in that breathing room, that three-month space that I'm talking about, when you're getting to know someone, what you want to be doing is a couple of things. One, you want to be checking in with, what aspects of my vision does this person bring to the table naturally? right? Like uh, an obvious example would be, you know, I want my partner to be consistent. I want to be able to rely on them. I don't want them to disappear for days at a time. I mean, this is, this is pretty much universal, right? People who want a long-term committed relationship, they want a relationship that is, um, they want a relationship that is consistent. They want a partner who shows up for them time and time again they don't have to wonder what to expect from their partner. You know, it's not amazing one day and nothing the next day, right? It's like, it's like they want a partner that they can count on day in, day out, time after time to show up for them, right? So, you know, in that three-month period, one of the most obvious questions you could be asking is, is this person consistent? Does this person make that consistent effort with me? So, I mean, that's just like right out of the gate, one of the most obvious things you could look for. But aside from that, you know, there, there are other things like when we, when we talk about our dreams, you know, if I say I want a a house with a family, does my partner or or my partner, I shouldn't say that not yet. Right. But, but does this person want the same things? Does this person also want a house with a family? Does this person also want the same kinds of things that I want? right? So you've got to be kind of checking in with this stuff. You've got to be kind of feeling into these things and, and seeing what they bring to the table naturally, and then whatever they don't bring to the table naturally. right? So there are going to be certain things that they just naturally show up. You don't even have to ask for it. They just get it. They're on the same page. They want the same things. Then there are going to be other things that they don't bring to the table so naturally. Those are the things you've got to talk about. So hey, I I'm, I don't know if you want this or not, right? But this is what I want. Let's talk about it. Let me see how they respond. Now, are they uh, do they shut your dreams down when you bring that up? Are they an immediate, yes, I'm, I'm into this, right? Yes, I want the same things. Are they, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I'd have to think about it, I'd have to see. I haven't, so, like a lot of times, you may have gotten clear about this, but they may not have. You know, getting clear on your relationship vision is not a big thing that people are doing in our world, right? Most people are kind of flying by the seat of their pants and hoping for the best. So when you're dating someone, You know, one, I would advise you that you're clear on your relationship vision. And then the the next thing I would advise is that you're probably going to meet someone who's not clear on theirs because unless they've been doing the kind of work you do to listen to the podcasts and whatever else you might be doing, you know, they're probably flying by the seat of their pants hoping for the best. So it's going to be your job likely to help them clarify that vision a little bit. Or at least help them clarify it for you. So on that note, in that um, in, in helping them clarify their vision or helping them clarify it for you, right? This is gonna require you asking the difficult questions, talking about the things you want. Now, most of us are really afraid to do this because it's very vulnerable. I I see the comment here. Someone says, and if they claim to have no idea, well, tell them they got to get an idea. Right? So that's that's the kind of thing that like you don't just let someone cop out at that. Okay, well, you're telling me you have no idea what you want in your life? Well, think about it and let me know. Right? Like you you can't just let someone like get off like, oh, I don't know. And then that's the end of the discussion. Okay, well, you don't know? Well, hey, think about it. Figure it out. I know. I need to know if you're ready for me. Right? So you got to think about it and let me know. Now, most of us will not do this because we feel that it makes us look desperate. It makes us look needy it's very vulnerable. It opens us up for rejection, right? If I share with this person that I want a lifetime partnership with a, with a home and children and all this stuff, right? Like if I share that with someone and then they tell me, oh, well, that's a lot. I don't know if I'm ready for all that. Then I feel rejected, right? I feel rejected by, by their not wanting the same things I want. I start to feel is there something wrong with me wanting this? Am I not supposed to want this? It, it, you know, it, it, we start to feel shameful for wanting it, like all this kind of stuff, right? So so that's the that is the part where what do I want to say? It's like if you if you have not developed a strong sense of personal worth and a strong recognition of your own value, then you are going to have a very, very hard time, if not it being completely impossible for you to have these kinds of conversations. Because let's talk about this whole, what are we doing, You know, where is this going, do we want the same things kind of conversation? Like, it is not desperate to have that conversation. It is not pathetic to have that conversation. It is vulnerable to have that conversation you do open yourself up to the potential for rejection when you have that kind of conversation, but it is not desperate and it is not pathetic. That is a, that is a cultural misinterpretation that comes from, that comes from actually not doing exactly what I'm talking about in this podcast. So Let's just talk for a moment about where that comes from, right? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from when you start to obsess very early on in a new relationship, right? So when you start to obsess very early on about a new relationship and you start to... Had a little issue with my recording there. Um, Anyway... Figure it out later. But when you start to obsess very early on in a new relationship and you start to try to push it forward beyond what is natural and beyond what makes sense to move the relationship forward. And you're doing that because you're desperate. You're doing it because you're afraid. You're doing it because you feel, oh my God, I've got to really lock this thing down because it doesn't come very often. And if I don't lock it down, I'm going to be left without. Right. So if, if you, if you start doing all of that, that is the thing that comes off as desperate because it is. That is the thing that pushes people away. That is the thing that is likely going to cause you to be rejected. But like what I'm, what I'm getting at here is I want to distinguish this very, desperate and needy thing of obsessing about someone very early on and trying to push them into a relationship because you feel so afraid to lose them that's like that's like one approach right the other approach is to let the relationship unfold along its natural timeline to be completely willing and ready and able to let this relationship go if along that natural timeline, you realize that it's not the right thing for you, okay? And then as a result of that, as as a result of that, you're bringing up these conversations in the right place, in the right time, in a way where you are Conscious of what you're doing in a way where you are connected to your worth and you're connected to the fact that, like, I I am very clear that I deserve to have these things. I am very clear that I deserve a partner who wants to show up for me in this way. And if you are not that person, I am absolutely okay with that. I'm not going to try to make you stay. I'm not gonna to try to hold you down. I'm actually gonna be the first one to push you out the door and say, go find something else because I sure as hell am gonna go find something else. Like, if you get if you get the difference between these two approaches, I want you to tap that heart a few times, right? These are two completely distinct approaches. And most of us have them collapsed as though they're the same thing. Most of us think that to talk about what we want in a relationship is desperate or needy because we don't distinguish it from the approach that is actually desperate and needy. These are two completely distinct things. And this is what I wanna say. They actually call forth two completely different things in a relationship with someone. This one, this first approach that I'm talking about, the desperate, needy approach, you're going to either guilt someone into a relationship with you because they feel bad pushing you away, or they feel like they owe you something, or they're just going to disappear and ghost you because. They don't want to deal with it. This other approach is going to call forth someone's respect because they're going to feel from you that one, you don't need them, right? Like the conversation isn't like, I really need you to commit to me because I'm lonely and and incomplete in my life. And you're going to be that missing piece that I'm looking for, right? That's not the conversation. The conversation is, I am looking for something very specific in my life. I am looking for a certain quality of partnership in my life. And I am more than willing to wait as long as it takes to find that right person who's gonna show up and create that with me. And so all I need to know from you is if you're that kind of person, is if you're the kind of person who really wants to build this life with me. And if you're not that kind of person, I don't want you. Like that, it's so powerful, that part, that if you're not that person, I don't want you. The other approach is like, I want you at all costs. Whatever I have to do, just please pick me. Just please want me back. And that energy is what makes it desperate. It's not asking for what you want that makes you desperate. It's not talking about your dreams that makes you desperate. It's not asking someone about like their willingness to commit. None of that is desperate. What is desperate is when you throw your dreams away to try to get that person to commit to you. That's what's desperate. I really hope you're with me on this. So these are the first two points. Point number one, have a life that you're in love with and be able to turn to that when you feel yourself obsessing about someone. Point number two, be clear and connected to your vision for a relationship and be willing to talk about that and discuss it and be willing to give the relationship enough breathing room to be able to actually find out if this person can live into that vision. it's point number two. Now, point number three. Point number three is really about trust, confidence, and worthiness. It's trusting that the right relationship is going to show up for you at the right time this is, this is having a kind of faith. And this is, this is so deep. It's so deep because, like, where does faith come from? Right? Like, people, people call it, like, blind faith. But it's, like, real faith is not blind. Real faith is a kind of, like, inner knowing. Right? It's, like, I know who I am at a soul level. Like, like I know in my core who I am. And because I know who I am and I'm connected to that, I feel like I know what's possible for me. I don't know how I know it. I don't like, you know, there's, there's no external metric that's telling me like, this is what's possible for you. But I feel it in my soul that I know what's possible for me and I believe in that and so that gives me faith. Right? People people call it blind faith because they have no awareness of their spiritual essence and so they think you're just believing a fantasy or you're just believing your imagination. But real faith is an inner knowing that comes from your very soul. And because you know the quality of your own soul, you know what is possible for you. So that kind of faith allows you to trust that the right thing is going to happen at the right time and not fall into fear and scarcity every time a relationship doesn't work out. But the trust and the faith alone is not enough. So it's got to be combined with a feeling of worthiness. Worthiness is really knowing how valuable you are. Most of us don't feel that we are highly valuable. Most of us feel that we lack value and that we have to somehow trick or manipulate someone into loving us. Most of us believe, and this is this is a belief rooted in shame. And I would I would highly recommend actually Brene Brown's work. Like she is the person who I think has studied shame more than anyone else. And like if, if you really want to know about shame, which is something that we all have, and it's something that to the degree that you have shame, it defines your life and it defines the quality of relationship in every other area of your life. Like you should really check out Brene Brown's work because, because shame is something that we all develop at a very young age. And the way it shows up in relationship is because because we hold a certain degree of shame around ourselves we feel very unworthy and and what most of us believe underneath it all underneath all our pretenses and we get all dressed up and we put on a show and we act confident and we we go out and you know we become the center of attention to, you know or some people do the opposite some people hide right but but they're just coping mechanisms and wh- whether you become the center of attention or whether you hide, it's, they're all coping mechanisms to try to deal with your shame. And what most of us believe underneath it all is that if somebody really found out who I was, if somebody really truly saw me for who I was, they would not love me. They would be appalled. And so that's what causes most of us to try so hard to bend over backwards and turn ourselves inside out to try to get love from someone because we think that's the only way. And we believe that to just be myself, if if I were to just be myself, they would see how shameful I actually am and that would cause them to lose interest in me. And so to develop worthiness, it, it really like the only way I know to really develop worthiness is to deal with your shame. It's to really address your shame in in a real way. And excuse me, it's to address your shame in a real way and to some degree heal it. You know, I think we all carry shame with us throughout our lives and I don't know that it ever goes away altogether, but Brene Brown has a term called shame resilience um, I'd recommend any of Brene Brown's books. I see the question, any books I recommend. Look up Brene Brown, read any of her books. Start, start with the first one and just go straight through. Um, but the, uh, what was I saying? The, uh, Brene Brown has a term called shame resilience. And shame resilience means that we've developed an awareness of our shame and we've developed uh, like an awareness of how it shows up when it shows up, what triggers it, what activates it. And we've also developed an ability to respond to it in a powerful way. Right? So having that ability to respond to our shame in a powerful way allows me to to work with it rather than be run by it. And the more I work with this and the more I develop what she calls shame resilience, the more I also start to develop an awareness of my gifts and I start to feel that I am deeply worthy. So, um, in this third point, trusting that the right thing is going to happen at the right time, believing that you are worthy of it, believing that you are worthy of it, and being able to patiently wait for it. This is, I would say, the most challenging part of everything i have talking about today. And it's also the most important because to a degree, the work you do around your own worthiness, having a clear recognition of your value and your gifts, is is going to determine every other aspect of your lives. Because it works like this. When you clearly get it, that you are worthy and you are valuable, that you are desirable, that you are wanted, and this isn't something that you need external feedback to discover. Actually, I would say, the external feedback probably won't come until you discover it for yourself. So you don't need a lot of external feedback to discover this. What you need to do is really recognize how great you are. Like, man, I am a lot of fun to be around. Like, man, I am funny. Like, man, I am talented. You know, like, and again, going back to point number one, developing a life that you love Is going to go a long way in, in this respect because developing that life that you love is going to give you lots of reasons to recognize your own value. When you start developing your talents, when you start developing really deep, heartfelt friendships, when you start developing, um, you you know, when, let me say this, when you start caring for yourself the way that you would care for a partner, you start to get really connected to how awesome you are when you care for someone. And man, you know, like I I just cooked this amazing dinner for myself. I I just cooked myself a four-course dinner and I sit down with an awesome bottle of wine and I light some candles for myself and I just sit down and enjoy this amazing meal that that I took an hour or two hours to prepare for myself. That really shows you the kind of the kind of uh, contribution that you would be in a relationship with someone. So, developing a life that you love goes a long way in terms of developing your worthiness. But when you when you feel worthy, when you are clear about how gifted you are how great it is to be with you, how lucky someone would be to be in a relationship with you. You know, I would I would challenge all of you right now to sit down and write a list of a hundred reasons that someone would be lucky to be in a relationship with you. And I'd be really interested to see if you could even make it to 50, if you could even make it to 25. And if you can't, well, it's no wonder you struggle with worthiness, because you haven't clarified what a gift you are. And I want to say this, there's not a single human being on the planet, well, there probably are some people on the planet that are not much of a gift to be in a relationship with, Okay, So I want to be careful about what I say here, because there are some people on the planet that being in a relationship with them is a nightmare, Okay, But this is what I want to say. There's not a single person on the planet who doesn't have the potential to be an amazing gift to a relationship if they really sat down and got clear about what a gift they could be. And they really did the work on themselves to be a contribution and a gift rather than always being a taker and just trying to get everything they can for themselves. There is not a single person on the planet who doesn't have that potential because look, we're made of love and love is giving by its very nature. Love is generous by its very nature. Love is beautiful by its very nature. So what I want you to get from this is you are made of the very stuff that makes you an incredible contribution to a relationship. But have you been letting the love inside of you run your life? Or have you been letting the fear inside of you run your life? The more you love, the more you give and contribute, the more you fear, the more you take and hoard for yourself. And if you've been letting the fear run your life, then you're not connected to the contribution and the gift that you are. And that makes you feel unworthy. That makes you feel desperate. That makes you feel like you need to chase and cling to love. When love could easily come into your life without you having to do much at all. If you were really connected and, and feeling worthy and trusting. So this last piece, again, it's about trusting that the right thing will show up at the right time. But in order to trust that the right thing will show up at the right time, you have to feel worthy of the right thing. You have to know without a doubt that you are such an amazing gift to a relationship that it would be impossible for someone to not see that. And again, it doesn't mean that every single person you meet is going to see that. Because some people just aren't aware enough to see it. But, it, but when I say it's impossible for someone to not see that, like it would be impossible for you to go your whole life and never find a person who doesn't recognize that. Because you're that much of a gift. You have that much to offer. In fact, I, I would say, and this has been my experience, and this is the, the experience with all the people I coach, is that the more you see it in yourself, the more you start to clarify that for yourself, the more you start to experience other people in your life seeing it. And maybe it starts with your boss or your parents or your friends. But then as, as, as it starts there and you start to get comfortable with it in those environments, you'll see it start to show up with romantic interest as well. So cultivating a strong sense of worthiness And being deeply connected to that will give you the ability to trust the timing, to trust your journey, to trust the lessons you learn along the way, to not constantly fall into fear when things don't go the way you wanted them to. It will give you that ability to trust and it will also give you the ability to be patient and to let go what's not right for you. Because one thing about clearly recognizing your own worth is that when you are clear how worthy you are, you will never allow another person to not recognize it. And so if you're in a relationship where you're being disrespected or unappreciated or your worth is not being recognized and validated, you will let that relationship go. And it won't even be hard. I mean, you might feel some emotion around it. You might be sad. But when you know how worthy you are, it is so much harder to stay in an unfulfilling relationship than it is to let it go. Because there's there's this awareness of like, there are lots of people in the world. There is lots of possibility for a relationship. Like there, you know, there's, there's not even a question about that. There's not even a doubt about that. It's like, I'm so worthy. Of course, someone will love me. But staying in this relationship, this is hell. This is a nightmare. This is awful. So it, it just becomes this very natural way of recognizing like, I am so worthy that I could not possibly allow or or continue to accept this kind of treatment. So for those of you who maybe joined us just recently or just jumping on now, um, the topic that we're talking about today is how to stop obsessing in early dating, right? How to stop that train of obsession when you meet someone and you like them and and you just become obsessed and you ruminate and you try to control and manipulate and whatever you have to do to lock it down. Right? how to stop that obsessing. And what I've offered today are really three solutions. One is to build a life that you love. Have so many things outside of your romantic and and your dating and your love life that fill you up with love, that fill you up with joy, that connect you with amazing people. Have so many great things in your life outside of love and romance that you can always turn to those things if you get too wrapped up in a relationship with someone. The second piece is to be connected to your vision of love. To to know what you're looking for in a partner. To know how you want to feel with someone. To know the kind of life you want to have. And to be able to measure every single person you meet up against that standard. And the last piece is to develop a sense of worthiness to such a degree that you will not stand for relationships that don't honor your true worth. That will give you the ability to trust the outcome and to patiently wait for the right thing to show up for you. And the advice that I would give to anyone right now, if you're if you know that you struggle with obsessing in the early stages of dating someone, if you know that you try to lock a relationship down way before it's the appropriate time to do that, if you know that you attach to someone before you even know who they are, before you've even figured out if they're actually someone you want to be with, and you attach to them and try to force a relationship with them even though you don't even know that they're the right person for you, if you're someone who does these things, and I know it's a lot of you because it was me, and it's it's just so it's what so many of us do. If that's you, my advice would be to stop dating. Delete all the apps. Stop trying to meet someone. And work on these 3 things. And what I would suggest is that if you do that, working on these three things will probably bring more quality people into your life and more opportunities for love without you even having to try to do anything else than all the exhausting effort you put into dating. Isn't that crazy? that it could be so much easier. You could have so much more fun. You could feel so much better about yourself. And, And meet higher quality people all along the way. And all it would take, all it would take is for you to be willing to and be okay with being alone right now. To let go of this need to meet someone, to let go of this need to make it happen. Just be okay with being right where you are right now. Work on these three points without attachment, without insistence, without needing anything to happen from it. Just be okay with where you are and work on yourself. Do you believe it could be that good? Like can you can you love yourself enough to let it be that good? Or do you have to make it hard? Because you believe it has to be hard. Going back to what I was saying earlier, this is this is what I call punishing yourself for being single. Right, it's, it's making it so hard not allowing yourself to feel good, not allowing yourself to find joy in your life, constantly having the idea that you're alone steal your joy and steal your passion because you just can't accept where you are right now and let it be okay. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could do that and allow yourself to be effortlessly led towards the relationship that's right for you? That's the question I'm posing for everybody. Um, Okay. I'm going to take some questions now. Uh, Let me scroll back through here. I've seen some questions come in while we were talking. Um, Anybody who has questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat, and we'll get to as many as we can. So this question comes from Carolyn Hunt Floral. She said, I did this. He was scared about his future. I felt rejected and I did lose my power because he now wants to digest what he wants. Day by day and he falls off quiet. Does he have the control? All right. Beautiful question, Carolyn. And thank you so much for dropping this in. Um, So you say, he was scared about his future. I felt rejected and I did lose my power because now he wants to digest what he wants. Okay so based on based on the way you're framing this question if you remember earlier when i was speaking about there are really two kinds of approaches right there's this i try to lock it down really fast because i'm afraid and i'm desperate and if i don't if i don't lock it down now i'm going to miss out right and then there's the other approach of like i know that i'm worthy i know that i'm going to find what i'm looking for i trust that and so i can allow the relationship to breathe i can give it space Because like if, you know, it's either going to become what it's meant to be or it's not. Or Let me rephrase that. It's either going to be what I'm looking for or it's not. And I can take the time to figure that out because I'm not desperate. It sounds like you're kind of somewhere in the middle between these two approaches. And it sounds like maybe you started out powerful, but then his response scared you right and and like you say you felt rejected now this is kind of the thing where if you feel rejected by somebody not wanting the things you want well what you're doing is you're taking you're taking it personally and like look that person has every right to date That person has every right to meet people. That person has every right to ask for anything they want in relationships. Like, look, it is is totally okay for people to want to date casual, to have casual connections, to not want any commitment. It is totally okay for people to want that. And if somebody wants that and you get involved with them and you are... Trying to make them want something other than what they want, or you are trying to trying to um, let me say, like you're you're feeling rejected because they don't want what you want. Like that's that's all on you. And I say this with love and like and I say this with compassion and I understand. I get it. i I, I feel for you. But like let me share this. You know, I remember when I was when I was younger, I was chasing around this girl who basically wanted to date like bad boy types, right? And that that wasn't really me. I mean, I was like you know, she liked to hang out in nightclubs and she ended up marrying the owner of a nightclub and like and I was like I had a big crush on her and I really wanted to be in a relationship with her. And you know, we had kind of like this best friends type thing going on, except I wanted more and she was trying to keep it there, but she didn't want to tell me that she wanted to keep it there because she didn't want me to leave. Right. She wanted, so she was like kind of walking this gray line and I was hoping that she was going to commit. But then ultimately she ended up, um, starting to date this other guy. And what I want to say is she was totally right to do that. She was totally right. I mean, I could say it would have been nice if she had been a little bit clear with me and told me that she was only interested in me as a friend, right? Like it would have been nice for her to be that clear. So maybe that wasn't super cool that she did that. But look, it was totally okay for her to want to date a bad boy type. It was totally okay for her to not be interested in me. And and look, even though she didn't explicitly tell me, the signs were there. You know, I tried to talk about our relationship several times and she would blow it off. She'd be like, "What do we have to talk about? Let's just see where it goes. Let's just hang out. Let's just right." Like the signs were there, and so, like I could make her the bad guy, even though she's not a guy, right? But I could make her the bad guy if I wanted to. But I was the one who allowed that to continue, and the the reason I allowed it to continue was because I was a little bit desperate. It's because I wasn't really connected to my worth. It's because I thought she was the best I could hope for. And I didn't think anything better was going to come along. So going back to the question, Carolyn, you talked about what you wanted. He was scared. He wasn't ready to commit. You you felt rejected by that. And then he falls off. And now you feel like he has control of the situation. Well, I know you're asking, does he have control? Well. Yeah, he does if you give it to him. But if you're empowered enough in yourself to say, look, I'm not not looking for someone who's not sure about what they want. You know, if you need to digest it, fine. Take a few days, take a week. But if you can't come back to me and be clear about what you want, I'm losing interest in you now. And the, the, the rub here, the, the problem is, is that you don't have the internal strength and worthiness to do that right now, right? You, you can't help but feel rejected and disempowered and like he has all the control, right? Because the moment somebody doesn't want you in the same way you want them, you make that mean something about you personally. You make it mean something about how worthy you are, how lovable you are, what you can hope for in your life, what you can hope for in the future, right? You give that this loaded meaning. And so, like I would say like, yeah, that's on you. That's that's not on him. Like he he doesn't know what he wants. And it's your job to get clear about that. Like when you're when you're dating someone, it's your job to get to know them, get clear about what they want, be clear about what you want, find out if it matches up. If it doesn't say, "Hey, it was wonderful meeting you, I'm going to look for something else." I know this requires a very strong person. I get it. Like like believe me, I went through all of this myself. It required me to develop an incredible amount of strength. My wife went through all of this herself. It required her to develop an incredible amount of strength. By the time we met each other, both of us had developed this capacity within ourselves. And if we hadn't, our relationship probably would not have worked out because this strength is what enabled us to navigate this first several months of our relationship and and be able to determine that we got on the right page and, and that we wanted the same things. If we hadn't, we would have maybe tried to press it forward prematurely and driven the other person away. We may have become desperate. We may have sabotaged it in some other way because it made us too uncomfortable, right? So it's Going back to going back to the advice I I made earlier, Carolyn. Right, it is this is where you would want to take some space from him. Like, first accept that he doesn't want the things you want. He's not clear about it. Give him space to figure it out. Mentalize yourself that he's not what you want, and that you're going to need to start looking for something else. And then what I would say is. Distance yourself from him. Maybe take a break from dating altogether and focus on these three suggestions I gave earlier. That would be my advice for you. Circle back to dating. Circle back to the relationship. Once you have established a new relationship with it, when you can feel differently about it, when you can feel more empowered within it. That's when you'll know that you're ready. And by the way, I just want to say this. you know, This is going to be a whole other topic of conversation, so I I can't go into it too much. But I just want to say that I'm not suggesting that you should be able to do all of this without any discomfort, feeling completely confident and completely in control and completely at ease with every aspect, okay? This will bring up discomfort in you. It's not about being able to do it without any discomfort. But it's about being able to do it while navigating your own discomfort and not being disempowered by it. Now, again, for me to go into detail about that would be to go on a completely different topic. So I can't really get into that today. But what I just want to say is that you are going to feel uncomfortable at certain stages in this process. You are going to doubt yourself. You are going to feel fear. You are going to be challenged at times. And this is where you've got to know how to work with your own discomfort rather than be run by your own discomfort. Most of us, when we feel uncomfortable, we start acting out in all kinds of crazy ways in our relationships and it just becomes super destructive to us and to to the relationship and everything. So this is where you've got to recognize your discomfort, learn how to be with it, and then work your way through it in a in a powerful way. Okay, so that's um. That's what I would say there. Now let's go through. I want to see what other questions, um, may have come in. Again, anyone who has questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. And and I, I just I want to say I see your comment, Carolyn. That you that you are yes awesome, and. I'm I'm so glad that you're doing that and just like what I want to say is be gentle on yourself. Take your time with it. Like I know you may feel like you need to rush. You don't need to rush. Okay. Miracles happen, but miracles don't happen from a desperate and needy place. Miracles happen when you are connected to your truth and your worthiness and your confidence and you feel empowered. And what I want to say is like a lot of times we won't take a break from dating and really focus on our own self-growth because we're, because we're so afraid about the time we're going to lose when we take that break. And what I want to say is if you just if you just waste a bunch of time repeating the same things that don't work over and over and over again, you're not really gaining any time. You're just losing the time anyway. But if you take the time to detour and establish a new approach, and establish a new relationship with yourself, and a new relationship with dating, the way in which you approach your love life moving forward can easily make up for all of what you think would be lost time. So the way to really lose time is to not change anything, and just keep pushing forward with the things that have proven not to work over and over and over and over again in your life. That's the real way to waste time. I know your mind is going to tell you, if I get off the dating apps, I'm not going to meet anyone. That's bullshit. It's not true. I didn't meet my wife on a dating app. She didn't meet me on a dating app. Both of us used dating apps before, couldn't meet anyone good. Okay, so dating apps are not the answer. Get off of them. If it's relevant for you to use them at some point in your future, you'll revisit it when you have a new relationship with all of this, with all of this. But don't force yourself to keep doing something that is not working right now. It is hurting you, and it is a total waste of time. And that's what you've got to get here. All right, I'm going to take one more question. Let me just scroll through here and see what we have. Um, I, I'm reading this comment from Black Balloon 33 She says, I am coming at this from a bit of a different place than maybe others here. I am comfortable having casual relationships. However, I have children that need more than just myself. Well, I mean, in response to that, approach it however you want to. There's there's no right or wrong. Um I, I think I think the question is that, you know, are you happy with what you're doing and how things are showing up for you? If you are, go with it. I'm not here to tell you you're doing it wrong. If you're not happy, that's when you need to take a step back and look at what might need to change. But aside from that, it seems totally fine with me. Um, okay, question from I want a random. <laughs> Did I say that right? Um, question is, why does my boyfriend always say to me, I like to have an easy life and no stress, so let's go with the flow? Well, it sounds like you're stressing him out. (laughs) It sounds like you are bringing up things that stress him out. And that's why he's saying it because he probably wants you to chill and stop bringing up things that stress him out. Now, what you need to decide in that, and I don't know your situation. I don't know how you are. I don't know how your boyfriend is. So I can't speak into your situation. What I will say is this, that kind of thing is very common from non-committal men, right? When men don't want to make big commitments about the future, they will often say things exactly like that. I like to have an easy life, no stress, let's go with the flow, right? That is a very common thing for non-committal men to say. So what I would, what I would invite you to consider on this note is the things that you bring up that stress him out and he has to say to you, I want an easy life. Stop bringing all this stuff up. Can you just go with the flow? Like you need to check in and maybe it would help to speak with a therapist or a coach about this. Maybe they could help clarify. It might be difficult to clarify for yourself. But you need to check in with, am I asking for the reasonable things that anybody would want from a relationship And he feels that that is too much for him or am I being unreasonable? And again, I can't help you with that. Like I would need to know the specific dynamics of of your relationship. But if you are asking for him, if you are asking from him for the very reasonable things that anybody would want in a relationship and he's saying, can you just chill out about all that? I want to have an easy life. Let's just go with the flow then you deserve better is going to be my answer to you. You deserve someone who wants to hear you, who wants to receive your desires and and who wants to show up and like, you know, the role role of the healthy masculine is to provide. And I don't mean providing like he's going to make more money than you and pay all your bills. That's one way that it can look. and, And when it looks that way, it's fine. But that's not the only way it has to look. There are plenty of women who make more money than their partners and still have a very healthy masculine partner. So it's not about how much money he makes or, or what he can buy for you. It's about his willingness to show up and work to build the life that is going to provide your dreams for you. Like that is that is the role of the healthy masculine, right? Like there's, there's something like when my wife shares her dreams with me. It activates something inside of me that makes me want more than anything to provide that for her. And that doesn't mean I have to pay for all of it, although I pay for some of it, but but that's not what it's about. It's about my willingness to get up every day and do the work to build this dream together. And if my wife came to me and shared her dreams with me, and I said, can you just chill out? Can we just go with the flow? And, you know, like, I want an easy life. I don't want it to be this stressful. If that's how I responded to my life, or to my life, to my wife, if that's how I responded to her, then she should leave me and go find someone better. Because my wife deserves better than that. And I would say the same for all of you ladies out there. You deserve a man who hears your dreams and, and that activates something inside of him in which he wants to get invested and build this life with you. And if he's too lazy for that or that stresses him out too much, then leave him. And one, just one little thing I would add to that is recognize yourself as worthy enough to leave him and find better. All right, I'm going to close it out with that, everyone. This has been a great discussion today. Thank you to those of you who joined in with me. Thank you to those of you who dropped questions in. Um, It's been really great being with all of you today, sending you lots of love, lots of blessings wherever you are. However you're receiving this message, Um, if you've been live with me, thank you for being live. If you are hearing this message on the podcast, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Sending you so much love, everybody. Again, um, for those of you who are live, this is the Conscious Love Show podcast. It is available on all major podcast platforms. I would love it if you went and subscribed to the show. Um, I would love it even more if you would leave us a review. Um, If you're an Apple listener, you're able to leave a review. I would just love it so much if you could leave a review for the show. Um, thank you for being with me today. Lots of love, lots of blessings. I truly hope you find everything you're seeking in life and love. And I will be back with you next Tuesday right here. Thanks so much, everybody. Lots of love, many blessings. See you soon. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most, and I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at the Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.